welcome back to the top step great episode this week got to reconnect with one of my mates one of my favorite teammates mr brandon morrow now mariner fans i know you know who he is first round pick fifth overall over Lincecum, we talk about that. We talk about Tim Lincecum, how he got um, the Mariners took Brandon Morrow over Tim Lincecum, what that meant to him, <laughs> and everything else. I know it was kind of a sticky subject, and Brandon talks about it uh, too on this episode. But man, what an amazing, amazing career he has had and still going too. He's going to pitch next year, 2021, throwing absolute gas. He went from starting to bullpen guy. Uh, recently with the Cubs and the Dodgers, was in the playoffs with the Dodgers a couple of years ago. We talk about Justin Turner as well, uh, him running on onto the field, his thoughts on that, and uh, everything in between, man. We, we, we cover a lot. We talk about, we, we dive into, um, you know, some things going on when, when it comes to analytics in the game, the game today, and when that really uh, was a big factor for him, uh, what year that was, and, and how he tried to help some teammates, with that and, and, and everything along with it. But we, we just share some good memories and uh, it's a great conversation. Very inspiring. Brandon has had, like I said, great career, but full of injuries. Uh, so if we, we, we cover that um, pretty extensively too, how he's gotten through the, all these little things. But make sure, if you haven't already, make sure you press subscribe. I've got some, just like Brandon, I've got some big time guests coming up, uh, some amazing stories that I'm going to post so make sure you click, click subscribe so it pops up on your phone. You can go to www.thetopstep.com. And if you go on there and you click on podcast, basically all the buttons come up. So you've you got Google, you've got Apple, you've got um, uh, Spotify, all the big ones, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I'm loving this season too, man. I've got, uh, I'm, uh, I'm really excited about everyone we've got coming up. So please welcome Mr. Brandon Morrow as he joins me on The Top Step. No matter what happens, Ryan Rowland Smith has something to tell his grandkids right here. First appearance of the big leagues. <laughs> Face Hall of Famer. <laughs> Especially if he strikes them out. Here comes the one-two pitch to Junior now. The breaking ball. He struck him out. Yeah, that will be a story for the rest of his life. <laughs> as he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr. And the Indians You'll never say that I'm not killing them. Kill, kill, killing them. Okay, Brandon Morrow, mate, welcome. Thank you for coming on and joining me. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, of course. Great to see you, man. It's been a while. I did run into you in October last year, and I had a bunch of young Aussies, young studs, 16-year-olds. Um, we came to the, the, the Cubs complex, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't contact you before that, right? I just bumped, I, we just bumped No, I, just, I, saw you, I saw you guys uh, just walk in the perimeter right outside the weight room while, while I was getting some of my work in and, and doing my rehab and stuff. So yeah, it's crazy. I just, you know, saw you walk by. I was like, Oh, all right. Yeah. So. <laughs> that was great, man. It, it was great too, because you know, I, again, we hadn't, I, we had lost contact. I hadn't spoke to you for, for a long time. And I love, yeah. I love bumping into it. just brought back a lot of memories. Honestly, I'm with these kids and obviously I'm done playing and just, you spoke to them too. It was great. You spoke to them. Obviously you're a college guy yeah. And, you know, these kids, they, they love meeting big leaguers and they all get on Google, right? As soon as you left, by the way, like some of them, like half of them are like, oh, Brandon Murray, yeah, watch him pitch with the Dodgers, you know, and blah, 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 blah. And then some of them, they get on Google. They're like, oh, how much money is he making? Like, it's yeah. so funny, dude. Oh, I should that's, ask that's him this. That's always a concern, yeah. <laughs> Young so kids funny. like to see that. Well, it's, it's motivation too, right? Yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah, big time. And here I am. It's so funny, dude, because sometimes I think about like you got to – be able to speak to a 16 year old because there I am saying, Oh, you know, um, Brandon, talk to him, talk to him about your college route and going to college, how important that is. Meanwhile, 10 minutes later, they get on Google, like he's making how much money. Who cares about that? All I care about is this. Yeah. So well, it's, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's motivation. Some things yeah. motivate some kids getting, getting to college and yeah. you know, whether it's like, I want to be a good student. Yeah. I want to play baseball. I want to meet girls. Like it's, that's a great route, like going yeah. to college. And then, yeah. you know, some, some kids can be motivated by the money, but also like, Hey, what's going to get you a good paycheck or just getting, just getting out of high school or going and, and three years and developing into, you know, more of a man yeah. physically and mentally and, you know, doing it that route. Hey, I want to talk to you about that too. And I'm glad, glad you brought that up. And I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that because I want to talk about when the Mariners decided to, when you made your debut in 2007, I'll, I'll jump right into it right now, actually. 
2007, spring training that year, that was my first year on the roster with the Mariners, right? Mm-hmm. And you weren't meant to make that team, right? Probably really. not. Yeah, like, I mean, you were basically, and, and again, not, not saying you didn't deserve to make the team, but you right. spring training. He, you are 22, and this is back in 2007, where it's pretty rare for a 22-year-old to be making a major league roster. They may get called up, but to, to make the opening day roster, yeah. everything's kind of set in stone. Um, for you then, looking back, and you talk about, you know, becoming a man and all these kind of things, do you feel like, did you feel like you were ready to be in the big leagues at that point? Probably not. I mean, I thought I, uh, looking back, I think I handled it pretty well as far as like, like, a, like a mental standpoint, but I don't, I don't think that my, my pitching game was ready. I mean, I had uh, obviously a fastball that played and that I lived and died with, but um, there was nothing really to fall back on. I mean, I had a, a swing and miss slider, but I don't think that I had any sort of confidence to throw it in the zone ever. I can't, I can't remember ever trying to set up guys or really pitch with any sort of purpose other than trying to throw my fastball by guys a lot of times and and but you know when you have a weapon like that it, it plays yeah. and obviously that's what they saw and um you know it worked out yeah. fairly well numbers wise like I had a four yeah but you know relieving as a 22 year old first year first full professional year that's pretty decent who are the guys um that you leaned on like that year, like especially in the month of April, May, you know I mean? Cause you had, I remember, you know, JJ was there. Chris Reitzman yeah. was there. Yeah. I mean, who were the guys that you kind of leaned on to say, man, what do I do here? Because you oh, were JJ, really... JJ for sure. JJ. Okay. Because yeah. Yeah. Were... I came, when I came up later on that year, um, you know, Eric O'Flaherty at that point was up Sean Green. So we had that good little crew of young, young pit. Sean White was mm-hmm. actually Sean White was there at the beginning of the season, right? Yeah. Because, because he, yeah. Yeah. He, they, they kept him. He was a rule five. So they had to, yeah, uh, that's right. They had to, they had to keep him on the roster or send him back. So it was great to have Whitey there. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, I, I stay in contact with Whitey. You've probably seen him a couple times up there in, in Seattle. And um, yeah, but yeah, having, having him as a, the guy, closest to my age yeah you know probably the only guy that i was hanging out with um away yeah. from the field or just like able to relate to like just like first year in the big leagues and stuff yeah. um but jj was my catch partner you know so right away he took me under his wing and was like you know kind of little brother you know situation yeah. and and showing me the ropes and i i definitely you know watched him a lot and his routine leading up into um pitching his inning and and i I took a lot of what what he used to do kind of like visualization stuff just kind of sitting for three or four minutes before you were going to warm up and closing your eyes and visualizing you know throwing your pitches and kind of doing that and then watching like his physical warm-up and and stuff and, and kind of trying to emulate that yeah, it's it's funny, man. I'm, it's coming back to me now. I remember because, like I said, I came up and we had like you were already up there. I didn't really know you that well, but right, yeah, not at all. Yeah, I mean, you know, but you were younger, so that's just like that. I just had that common denominator. Sean Green, you know, such a good dude. Yeah. Um, and this again, this young group, but, but JJ, dude, at that point, he was even for me. I mean, I'm a left-handed relief, you know, long guy, basically, essentially right. in 2007. But he was so good at just, first of all, from a, making you feel comfortable, right? Yeah. Because this is, we're talking 2007. And look, you, you've been playing up until now. So you know the game's changed. And we're going to talk about that in, in, in a bit too, how the game's changed. But even back then, if you're a rookie, you sit in your locker. You don't sit on the couch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, you weren't allowed on the couches, chairs, <laughs> anything like that. And, and I get it. Like, I had no problem with that. Like, I'd wait for everyone to eat or everyone to get on the plane. Yeah, for the, sure. But he just had that 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 ability just to make you feel like you were part of something. Where there's a lot of guys, man, in yeah. that, that that team, and it was a good team. There was a lot of veterans. There was yeah. a lot of guys that wanted to make sure you knew you were a friggin' rookie. You right. Know? But besides the oh hey yeah, just hanging out on the couch, JJ had that ability just to just to you know fit, I don't know what it is like not so much make come you feel and like put his arm around you and just yeah yeah, yeah. and and like let you know that that you're good enough to be here, man. That's right. That's, yeah. Yeah. That was a big like, part of it. Yeah. I felt like he did that for, for a lot of guys, you know, it, it, man. And, and then, you know, obviously he left um, after 2008 
And I didn't see him. Though. I got a chance to play with him in 2014 with the D-backs. But uh, I just remember that year, 2007, um, because I, I just feel like too, and we, you and I have kind of talked about it, but you know, the big thing with you, obviously, you get your first, fifth pick overall, first rounder with the Mariners. So already there's that, that inherent um, expectation on you. Then you get up there quick. You know, you, I mean, you get up there quick. There's not really that, that, that period of going to AAA and finding yourself and what role you're going to be because, yeah, you're a starting pitcher, right? I mean, that, that's – you're supposed to be, like, the, in the rotation, and, and here you are. Yeah, I mean, I, I assume I was drafted to be a starter when you draft yeah. somebody that, that high. You're looking at them as, as somebody you're going to hopefully have in your rotation for years, you know? Yeah, and then you get drafted high from the Mariners, from local guy, Tim Lincecum. And there's always that thing. And this is obviously 2007, a little bit different landscape now. It's social media, but there's always <laughs> yeah. expectation or sorry, that, that, that thing about get, taking you over to, uh, instead of Tim Lincecum. Right. Essentially. Did you ever feel that at all back then? Um, uh, not definitely not right away. Yeah. Um, and like you said, like without social media and, and all that and going right away, I think I kind of missed some of the hype where, you know, oh, we got this guy coming up. He's, you know, he's the guy killing it in double A, killing it in triple A, people getting excited to, to see it come up. I think I kind of came up where a lot of people didn't like even know who I was yeah. yet when I first made it. Right. But the Linscombe stuff kind of started more um you know obviously after he wins one Cy Young and then I think yeah. after he won his second Cy Young they traded me they just go like we got to get this guy out of here now he's making us look bad by you know you feel, <laughs> the you... local guy that we took he's got two Cy Youngs under his belt and in a World Series probably and but uh it never like affected me personally I'm, yeah. I'm always somebody that can kind of step away and say hey look like he's great obviously like number one guy in the game right now but I'm doing my own thing and like I'm here in the big leagues and, and productive and, you know, who cares? Like, I feel like I'm doing great. You, do you feel like, like, I mean, are you saying that like sort of facetiously, like, do you think there was a correlation with the Mariners? Like, Oh, hi man. Look like, I mean, no, I, I, I hope not for, for their yeah. sake. Like, you oh, can't make a move yeah. like that, you for know sure. what I mean? And, and yeah. make a move and trade a guy out. That's, you know, then, then I, I thought I was pretty good in Toronto five years in a rotation there yeah. just because just because you know you feel like you drafted the wrong guy at the time right did you feel like when you was there any bad feelings when you got traded did you feel like in, in a sense obviously you have no control over it. it's not like you guys had an argument you split you split right but did you feel like it was a situation where a team had given up on you and you felt like you wanted to prove people wrong or was there any of that not really. I was, I was definitely disappointed that I got traded. You know, you get drafted by a team and come up, you love the city and the organization and you're making friends and uh, feeling like that's where you want to be for a long time. And I was disappointed definitely that I got traded. And um, I, that's not something that drove me though. Like I got a, like, I got a chip on my shoulder now and I got to prove them wrong. And yeah. um, maybe I think I only made one start in, in Seattle and it was, it was pretty good. And I think that probably fueled me a little bit. And, you know, there was, there's kind of, it was kind of a funny situation. I don't think I, I think I made my, I didn't come back the first year and make a start. Um, I think, I think I made my first start there in, in 2011 and it ha also happened to be diabetes awareness right. night. So like, I'm very not conspiratorial in my mind but then maybe that fueled me a little bit too yeah. like yeah. why is it diabetes night on the night that I'm pitching right. you know and I come back uh, it's just kind of a funny situation and uh, I think I punched out 12 and in six innings and, <laughs> nice. you know felt pretty good about it yeah I I hear you. and it's it's so it's kind of crazy and it's so funny man like I had Max Scherzer on um, Matt Boyd and I always talk about, see, I was always as a kid, like I always want to prove people wrong. I always had that uh -huh. thing that, that sort of, and it's just not productive. Like it's the, the older I get, the, the more I figure that out. And I'm talking to those two guys, Matt Boyd's like, if you're going to waste that much time on one thing or person, it's just, not, it's, it's toxic. And then Max Scherzer said the same thing. He got traded from the uh, D-backs to the Tigers. Yeah. And I said, you know, there's a lot of comments about his mechanics and he's going to break down. He can't throw strikes and all this kind of stuff. 
and he, he kind of he he came to that realization of why am i wasting that much energy focused on trying to prove these people wrong it's like i've moved on man like this is it i'd rather just be around this good positive environment i, I get along with this pitching coach and and, I, and off i go and he said because yeah, he had a, sure. two, like a good two years of trying to find himself because you know he was still in his head about oh, i need to prove you wrong and my mechanics are fine and everything else you know it's it's just interesting i feel like with you watching you know watching you from afar obviously after you left the mariners um 2010 and on i feel like too and and it was a situation where now you're in a, in a position, the Mariners, they brought you up and you know, you're, you're, you're a big investment, right? You're, you're a first rounder. And now all of a sudden you're with the blue Jays where you, you kind of strip that away. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because yeah, you get traded away, but now all of a sudden you, it's kind of like setting you free in a sense of now I can go and I do kind of have to prove myself, I guess. And I can right. really thrive. And that's, ex I mean, that's what you did, dude, especially from an injury standpoint as well. I mean, you, you were what, 21 starts, 30 starts, 26 starts right there in a row as a starting pitcher. And did you, I mean, you were killing it. What was, what was different, do you think, then, in, when you got to Toronto as a starting pitcher, what do you think was, was, was the difference with that? Uh, I think just like being in the rotation and knowing that you're going to be there yeah. and being able to focus on the things that are going to make you good in the long run, yeah. learning how to look at scouting reports, developing your routine, like your weightlifting routine yeah. and your start to start routine rather than worrying about like my next start's going to be great or they're going to send me back to the bullpen or send me back to triple a yeah. to, to work on a couple of things, knowing that you're going to be, a guy there um and a little bit of that was like you know getting obviously getting traded over and being like you know i wasn't guaranteed to make the rotation in my, the first time yeah. uh first spring training but i went out and killed it and um you know then was you know it was like all right you're you're one of our guys you're you're yeah. in this for the long run having some other guys there that um were kind of in the, the same situation um ricky romero probably my best friend in baseball um you know, same age, same time, kind of his, he came up in 09. And then so 2010, my first full year there was his first yeah. full year in the big leagues and just kind of like developing together and, and trying to, you know, learn major league starting baseball yeah. together and, and developing all that. Dude, Ricky Romero, man, he was so good. And then he, he didn't get the yips, but he, cause I, I ran into him. I think it was 2014. Um, uh -huh. Yeah. And he was, he was in AAA and just trying to figure it out. I don't know if you, if yeah. you still keep in contact with him, but yeah. I'm watching him just like, I'm jealous of him. I'm left-handed. I'm like, looking at this dude, but he was in his head like crazy. What was, what was the deal with that? Have you spoke, like, have you had some deep meaningfuls when it comes to that stuff with him? Yeah. I don't, I don't know that we've done like a retrospective, like going back and, and, like trying to break it down together that way but I know there was he was I mean the guy works harder than almost anybody I played with and was just crushed underneath yeah that pressure of trying to get back to his all-star form and I think there was there was obviously some physical stuff going on with it he had both his knees done um you know like a year and a year after leaving the Blue Jays I think where that physical handicap you know he just couldn't couldn't like get strong on either of his knees I don't think um was was hurting him and then just man the the mental the mental side of it was seemed like really tough for a while where we're, we're catch partners and I'm trying to be positive all the time like that looks yeah. great you're yeah. doing you know you're doing great trying trying to just free his mind like hey man like I brought some you know, this is still 2013 or 2014 when it first started happening. And I'm trying to show them like, Hey man, look, like I got this pitch data stuff that I, that I took off, you know, they're not giving it to us because teams like don't have really that analytical part built out yet. And they're not yeah. even really looking at this stuff, but yeah. like his pitch usage and I'm showing them like, Hey, like maybe you just struggled a little bit. Cause like, look, you, you're trying to use all these cutters and your sinkers, like your game, you just kind of got away from, from this stuff. And, um, but 
he, he was working so hard, like oh, trying yeah. to like get his natural arm, like path back. And once you get on, on that sort of stuff, like, I mean, he was taking ground balls at shortstop, like trying to, trying to feel like, you know, a natural arm swing. And that's just got to like weigh so heavily on you when you're just like all day, all you're thinking about is like your release point and, and what you're doing mechanically instead of just like making pitches, you know? It's, it's fascinating, man. Like I think about that stuff all the time. I had 2010 and you had left by that point. I was, I just fell off a cliff. Like it's nothing physically. I was totally fine. Maybe that off season, I, I Cadillac a little bit. Like I was like, Oh, I got this made. Like I had, I had 2009. I, I, you know, had a good year and mm-hmm. going to 2000, everyone told me how awesome I was. And you know, all of a sudden, and I had to, that was something I had to like fight for a spot every year up until then. Now all of a sudden I go into spring training. I'm like, Oh, this got this figured out. I'm just going to, throw a hundred and whatever innings and, and whatever else. And it was an arbitration year and the whole thing. And so when I was with Ricky, it's funny, like 2014, I'm not uh, skilled, educated to deal with that mental side. And I'm trying to like, I didn't want to even bring up the stuff I, I went through in 2010 yeah. because it's that fine balance of, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to be positive as a catch partner and you try and then you try and give him this analytical stuff. But when you're in that situation, I feel like everyone goes through it at some point, but you're in that situation. It's, you know, everyone's like, well, clear your mind and all this kind of stuff. Well, that's even harder than what, than just get like working hard. Like he did, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, cause you're just trying to find something. It is, man, it can be torture. Like, so I remember hanging out with him and I'll try and talk to him, but I didn't want to like fill his head with this and that. Cause I'm like, I don't want to like, you know, get him off, off this road, but yeah. And I'll, I'd watch him pitch and get through a couple innings. I'm like, oh, here we go. He's back. You can just see the, the chest sticking out and the whole thing. And then whack, base hit, a 2 count, whack, base hit. And then all of a sudden, you can just see it whoo, straight off the cliff. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's strange. It was almost like pitch to pitch with him for a while. Yeah. He'd throw, you know, like a fastball 93 down and away, hammer, sinker, yeah. you know, and spot it. Yeah. And then the next fastball was like 82 and in the dirt. But you're like, oh, is that a change of not fastball? Oh. Man, yeah, it's tough to watch. You mentioned 2014, you know, the analytic side of things wasn't, you know, apparent with Major League Baseball, like front offices. And, and what, what year do you feel like it really came in where there was useful stuff for you to use as a pitcher to say, whether, it, whether it's your ball behavior, whether it's like, you know, the, the pitch metrics, um, you know, whether it be your release point or spin rate and all these kind of when you What year do you feel like going back or what team were you with you're like, man, I can really use this stuff where the team's giving it to you. Yeah. And, and this is going to give me a huge benefit. Not until uh, 17 with the Dodgers. Okay. And, um, you know, they would come to you before each series with the scan reports and the heat maps and, you know, kind of basically telling you what is going to work best yeah. for you. And they were the first team that I, that, that I saw that was like scouting guys for, you know, high rise fastball and pitching at the top of the zone yeah. and spin rates. And um, maybe even towards the end of that year, they were getting out like the, the rap Soto for some bullpens for guys towards the end of that year. And obviously it's, it's taken off since then, but that was the first encounter I had with it. And I took a lot of that into the next obviously you know unfortunately when i feel like i'm you know really starting to probably have you know my best years then the next year i only have a half year with the cubs and i'm using all that stuff and i brought it with me the the scanner report stuff and really starting to to focus in on that and and learning what i do very best and really Mm -hmm. sticking with that and really having a lot of success um so you when you look at your you know, the way you like with your pitch metrics, are you a, I haven't even looked, are you like a high spin guy, top of the strike zone? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not um, the very highest spin, mm-hmm. but I think like, you know, tw- I, th- I think tw- around 2,400 RPMs, which yeah. towards, towards the top um, and high velocity as well and i think a little bit of a, a release point and I'm, I'm able to i think what differentiated me from some of the other guys they were trying to do that with was all my experience as a starter and then also being able to like 
land my slider for a strike and then bury one, um, yeah. get ahead of guys, throw the down and away pitch, and also the up and in yeah. pitch where maybe a lot of the other guys, they were just, you know, glove at the top of the zone yeah. every single time yeah. Yeah. where I could move the ball around the strike zone. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and you, when, let, is it, let's say it's an off season, right? And you're throwing your bullpens. Is it wrapped solo every single bullpen? It is now. Yeah. For not, you, not, for not, no, not for me. No, not for me. Um, I mean, like I said, unfortunately, I haven't, I haven't been throwing a ton of bullpens since all that stuff came in. But I, I'm still, you know, there at the, at the eight pack watching every single bullpen. And now, yeah, it's, it's rap sodos every single, yeah. every single bullpen on every single guy. And, uh, and then the pitching lab you know, where they go in and they have the ultra high speed cameras and, and mm-hmm. instant feedback and yeah. kind of tinkering with, with grips and, and looking at all that stuff. It's actually, it's, I love that stuff sitting around and just watching yeah. guys and, and hearing, you know, some of the new guys that they brought in that, that uh, have been kind of looking at this stuff for more than a few years and really know their stuff that maybe aren't like traditional pitching coaches, but right you know, sitting and, and talking with the the baseball ops team in the video room and, and kind of diving into that stuff. Um, do you feel like <clears throat> with that, okay, first of all, do you, when you look at, let's say like a rap solo, you know, that, that square comes up and you got all these numbers and because, you know, I've got my rap solo certification, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. I'm trying, I try and bunch in the pitches when I'm working with a kid or, or, or I look at, you know, I can grab someone's data or whatever. I try and like pitch, like put the profiles up and see if they can you know, get into that. Do you feel like you understand that complete, like pretty, I mean, cause you're a, you're a smart dude, man. I mean, I'm not the smartest dude on the planet, but when you look at that and you're watching someone, you go to the eight pack with the Cubs or whatever, and you're watching that. Could you feel like you can start to decipher some sort of pitch arsenal for these guys? Um, I think I'm pretty good with it. I yeah. think, uh, I think a lot of it is just like, like seeing the guy's stuff, right? And you're like, oh yeah, you know, he's got great stuff. Some guys you see and you're like, oh, no kidding. Like their numbers are off the chart. Like you watch you Darvish throw and you're like, oh yeah, of course his, you know, slider spinning like 3,600 <laughs> yeah, RPMs and right. just like, like wicked stuff everywhere. And then it's really interesting watching the guys that, you know, maybe have gotten pass by but kind of got like a maybe a funky overhand delivery but their spin rates through the roof and it's yeah. the invisible guys and you're like yeah no wonder nobody yeah can ever catch this guy and it's like because this the, the thing that you couldn't quantify before yeah. you know that you that you would say he's got the invisible fastball well now you know why yeah and i, th- I think that's part that part's awesome but also the i, I like a lot the um uh blinking on what what the you know term they call it like where they're they're talking about pitch development and just kind of like tweaking guys and figuring out why guys throw why this curveball is better than this and and kind of the the defining markers of like a really good change up and a really good breaking right. ball and and what kind of how guys hand comes P- off pitch the ball. design right Pitch design, yeah, 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 that's what I'm talking about. Man, that's the buzzword that gets thrown around everywhere now. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, we do pitch design. Oh, we do pitch design. You hear that all the time. It's so funny, man. Like, and, and on the flip side of that too, now you came up in 2007, same year I came up. Um, and I, I'm fascinated by that stuff. And I'm fascinated by, you know, the, 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 the biomechanics and, and everything else. I do feel like, and, and you can jump in on this, and I, th- I feel like you've been with two teams recently, the Dodgers and the Cubs. That, that, on the surface, I haven't been with those teams looks like they have a healthy balance of the human element where someone can translate that information. Maybe someone mm-hmm. with some experience who's pitched before can say, Hey, how does this feel? You know, from like, what do you feel like right. when you throw this? And then someone walking over in an iPad and saying, boom, and boom. I like, is it, is it with the Dodgers and the Cubs, the two teams you've been with recently, do you feel like there is that good balance? Yeah, I think that's really important. I mean, yeah. you got to have like somebody that, I mean, somebody can lay out all the numbers to you, but and show you like, oh, this and this and this and this. But if you don't have somebody that can explain it to you yeah. or explain to you how to feel it yeah. when it comes out of your hand or how to manipulate it when it comes out of your hand, yeah. then you can throw a hundred pitches and maybe you can't ever 
like improve that one aspect. If you're trying to improve your spin rate, but your hand kind of comes off the ball funky a little bit and you're getting, you know, the difference between like a good four seam spin rate, like a guy might have spin rate through the roof, mm -hmm. but maybe we're getting, maybe we're getting a little too, uh, you know, in depth here for, for the average listener. But if a guy's got more, <laughs> you know, uh, gyro spin, yeah. but it's, it's through the roof spin rate, say, Oh, this guy's got amazing spin rate. Yeah. But it's not useful spin rate. Like how can yeah. he manipulate his fingers like better on top of the ball and, and, get a more useful spin rate. Yeah, for sure. And, and if you're listening right now, basically gyro spin rate, and, and Brand, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but, but it's, it's unuseful spin. It's basically nothing that really works with or against gravity, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like if you think, of, you think of a way of football spins, yeah. that would be yeah. like gyro spin rate. Yeah, <laughs> people, are, people are falling asleep right now. <laughs> falling asleep yeah, that's all right. <laughs> uh, now, I want to talk, speaking of the biomechanics, and this is kind of where I was going with this. Now, you've dealt with injuries galore throughout your career. It's been something that you've had to balance a lot. And I mentioned the time with the Blue Jays where you made 26 starts, 30 starts, 21. You had that period there where you kind of figured it out um, physically where you could avoid the injuries. For you, what, what do you feel like? And, you know, again, I'm trying to think back with the Mariner days. You, you may have had some little things here and there. Mm -hmm. But I feel like you've had, you've had looking through, you've had an oblique, you've had a finger, right? These are th some things that could be kind of off the cusp, kind of freakishly, but you've always constantly had that, that elbow or forearm issue. Yeah. Do you ever dive in, like, do you ever dive into or, or, or after your 6,000th MRI and, and dive into someone? <laughs> Probably about with, accurate. Yeah, with someone and say, okay, why does this happen to me? Like, why am I the one getting this constant resurgence of this elbow issue, this forearm issue? Yeah, you know, that's, that's one aspect, I think. It, one, it's really hard to quantify yeah. the biomechanics to injury. I think guys try to do it all the time. And, and you hear like, the different things that go in and out of vogue, like the inverted W, which I never had, like, yeah. I, I never had Tommy John, but that's like, an indicator for Tommy John and right. different things. And, um, you know, kind of fortunately, I'm just now kind of starting to learn about so late in my career, but like internal hip impingement and kind of how that can work up the chain. But yeah, definitely something that is, like I said, really hard to quantify. You got to have somebody that's really well versed in that sort of stuff because unfortunately, baseball trainers, as much as they care, about the player are not always the most educated on that aspect because they're yeah. trainers, right? They got to, they got to deal with the day to day. They got to patch you up. Yeah. Yeah. They got to get yeah. you on the field to play. They got to deal with the day to day injuries. And a lot of times you don't have the, the time or the guy that's that as knowledgeable in the biomechanics to be doing all that stuff. It takes yeah. a lot of, a lot of, um, time to you know if you're going to try and do like the video stuff and and just yeah. getting the, the guy with the right knowledge but when you start looking back at the different injuries i've had um starting with probably the oblique injury in 2012 that was the first time that i spent substantial time on the on the disabled list with yeah. there's definitely people out there that would correlate all that stuff correlate yeah. the oblique to like that you know with i'm blanking you know the the words are hard right it's like transverse yeah. something where oh, yeah. like your right shoulder is connected to like your left hip and and all that biomechanical uh you know wording that is is hard for me but um yeah. <laughs> me too man oh my god and hard to understand it's a mystery too, right? you're it, like how does how does my left foot and hip have to, anything to do with my you know, right forearm, but yeah. then when it starts getting explained to you a little bit, yeah, maybe you can, yeah. you can see it. And, and if somebody's really good at explaining it, yeah, maybe you would take that to heart and start to work on all that stuff. But when it's in season injuries and you're like, man, my shoulder hurts, but I'm still doing all right. Like, yeah, you're just going to get it patched up. You're just going to get worked on what yeah. you've been doing. If you're getting needles or if you're right. getting soft tissue, you're just going to do what it takes to get back out there for that next start. And I think, Unfortunately, I probably did. I did it. I know I did a ton of that in my career where it's yeah. like just 
band-aid over band-aid over yeah. band-aid right. until something finally just snaps you know what i mean yeah yeah it, it's but you're right man it's a mystery and and there's there's buzz buzzwords galore and you know it, it's one of these things that everyone especially on social media right now i've noticed i went on your social media account you haven't posted a whole lot lately <clears throat> and i think i asked you before we jumped on i was like oh, is there a reason for that it's, i feel like everything there has to be some reason for everything but you basically just said i just don't have anything really interesting to uh to talk about <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Dude, I'm, so I'm trying to get I'm kids fed and like to preschool and stuff you know what i mean like, yeah. i don't have time for that yeah exactly like you know i got my daughter you know just to i'm not going to be posting pictures of me at the gym you know I mean? it's just like yeah, yeah, no, i've never i've never done that even <laughs> yeah. like you know when <laughs> but, i was younger but you know definitely not that's just not me it's like some people just love that stuff and i just you know maybe it's just my my personality i'm not i'm not big like trying to let my opinions be known and maybe i'm just don't have that strong of opinions where i feel like i need to tell everybody yeah. all the time you know what i mean <laughs> I, I i'm pretty sure because i know a lot of people from seattle listen to this podcast i know they're going to email me they people email me after podcast oh you should ask them this or, or that they're going to say i oh, tell them to get back on social media i guarantee it because because they probably find it interesting but <clears throat> to that point when it comes to baseball and the new school and the old school. And you, I don't know if you've really kept up with it, but it happens on social media. And I just want to pull my hair out all the time. But it's a, it is a mystery. You just talked about, you've dealt with, you've been pitching since 07. You've had to deal with injuries. You've managed it. You've had success. You've had failures, the whole thing. But you get on social media these days and there's these, you know, there's this, you know, obviously with driveline and, and you've got the top velocity in these facilities and, and there's, and they're hitting Twitter. I don't even know if you know what that means, but the kids tell me this, man, the 16 year olds tell me this all the time where it's <clears throat> some hitting guru. You know, he's never played, but he's some hitting right. guru has this opinion. And then you've got some new school, like, you know, data head. And then you've got this, you know, like, uh, what's his name? I'm, I'm As I'm talking, uh, Jeff Fry. I don't know if you know Jeff Fry. I don't know if you remember him. No. But he's like this, he's like representing the old school of baseball on Twitter. Like you're talking about how all the new people don't know what they're talking about and the whole thing. But it's so funny, man, because, you know, here we are chatting about this stuff and, and you've been doing this for so long and it's really a trial and error. It really is with everything you do, right? Even, even preparing still. Right for you, it's, yeah. There's not this clear-cut system, and you're constantly learning every single day how to somehow get back and and be the best you can be. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned hitting Twitter. I have nothing to do with that <laughs> ever. I've I've never, you know, probably been in a batting cage three times in the last. You know, don't look at my hitting numbers. You don't want to, you don't want to see those. So I have nothing to do with that. But I've I've seen the new, the new age pitching stuff, and you know, what's really cool is like the the gifts that you see in the overlays and yeah, that right. stuff's all awesome looking looking at all that stuff um but i don't i don't think a lot of those people know how when they start talking analytics and what they think they know and this has nothing to do with driveline i think those guys are geniuses yeah. in what they do and but i mean you just see so many people that just don't know how it translates to a baseball yeah. field Oh yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. And again, man, like I, I love it all. Like, and, and you can, you can learn a lot and everything else. I just, I, I just feel bad to kids now. I was never, I, we didn't have that when I was a kid. So I was kind of yeah. like, you know, we were blind to all this information and maybe that was not a good thing, but I kind of had that feeling of this is good. This is bad. This is helping me. This isn't, but man, kids now dude, like, or if you're a dad and you're listening to this and you get on yeah. and you're trying to find all the answers for that, your travelable son, you know, trying to get to college. Oh man, I couldn't imagine. Like, well, the problem is people, people are so strong in their opinions and they, you know, have the biased data to yeah. back that opinion where it's just like, this is the one way to do it. Yeah. And if you're not doing it this way, then you're going to fail and you have no re like, if you're not going to do it this way, there's no way you're going to get to the next level. And, right. and kids fall into that trap. They, yeah. you know, they, they, they have role models and they find people, coaches, coaches that they believe in and people will, you know, unfortunately I've, I've, you know, seen it with guys that, you know, come in and are the weighted ball guys and come mm -hmm. in and even pro players fall into that. Like, yeah. I wasn't a weighted ball guy, but I know guys that have taken that and it really hurt their career or yeah. they were smart enough to take the things that worked for them and maybe scale it back and do, yeah, yeah I just do that for a warm up, but I'm not, 
you know, throwing, and there's the guys that it's, it's helped as well, but you got to be really careful about the people, about the gurus, you know, like you said, big time. Who, who, who's been the, the most impactful or your, your favorite pitching coach? Uh, Bruce Walton in, in Toronto. Okay. Yeah. When I, when I, well, I think number one, he was, he was really laid back. Um, and just the things that we worked on mechanically helped me out a lot. Um, lowering my arm a little bit, but I mean, I don't want to get into all the, you know, technical details, but like, yeah, not, um, so I was probably more over the top in, like you would say over the top in, uh, with Seattle early but helping me, helping me not change my arm angle, but realize that I was, my posture was different. So it looks like I lowered my arm angle, but really I just kind of corrected my spinal posture to be more upright. That way um, we would talk about a lot about getting our hand to the window, we would call it for throwing fastball and breaking ball out of the same release point. And um, yeah, just being a really, good dude and and really knowledgeable he'd been there for years as the uh as the bullpen coach so he had you know a really um good relationship with Roy Halladay unfortunately I didn't get to play with him we we he had just been traded out to the Phillies when I when I got in but just kind of the legacy of him being there and that was that was something that you know guys that got to see him pitch and be around him too that that made a big impression on them which in turn I think made an impression on me and his work ethic. And you would just hear stories about, you know, the things that he did. And, um, but Bruce was great. And I think, I think a lot of the guys that were there during that time would, would agree with me, would agree with me and pick him probably as their, their favorite pitching coach. You mentioned Roy Halliday. What were some of the things they said that stood out to the guys you play with or even Bruce that separated Roy to, to everyone else? Cause he was, man, I love watching him pitch. Yeah, just the the work ethic, man. And you know, five a.m. in the weight room every sing, every single day in yeah. spring training in the off season, and right. like pissed when somebody beat him there. You know, yeah. like in the next day, if somebody beat you there, he was there. You know, an hour earlier yeah. the next day, just to like show you, like, hey, I'm I'm the big dog. Like, you know, yeah. you know, I'm I'm gonna beat you every single day, no matter what you do. Um, and his his willingness to adapt, especially early in his career, you saw them, you know, remake his, yeah. all of his entire mechanics to, to be more successful. I mean, here's a guy that comes up and is throwing 98 and throws like what a one hitter in like his first or second start up in the big leagues. And he could have, you know, blown him off and been like, you know, I got the stuff and I got yeah. this hammer curveball and I'm throwing 98. Like, why would you want yeah. to mess with that? But you know, a guy willing to improve and change his like totally overhaul his mechanics and and you know obviously become what he did. Do you feel like too? And just just back to back to this pitching coach in particular. I mean, I'm sure you've had a, a, a good handful of guys that you really like, but I mean, you you didn't hesitate at all when I asked you. you said, oh, boom, this guy. I mean, it yeah. sounds like he he took your career was doing this or doing this, and he went boom this way in a good way, obviously. So <clears throat> it, it's so important too, and and this is something I want to highlight is like Pete Woodworth, the pitching coach with the Mariners. Now I've never met the dude, but when you hear the young guys talk about him, there's no hesitation when it talks, when you talk about, Oh man, Pete, you know, he's, he's just, and the first thing they say, it's natural to say, he's such a good dude. You know what I mean? Because it's, there's something to be said when you have someone who can communicate. I've had pitching coaches, they might have amazing knowledge or done amazing things. Dude, they just cannot have that relationship like where you'd want to go have a beer with them off the field. Right. You know, I mean, that's so important. Like if you had, and you have to name names here, but if you had some guys, you just like, just stay away from me. Right. Whether it's because of what they're trying to give you. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just, just the way they go about it or the knowledge they're giving you or, and maybe it's good stuff, but just the way that they're interpreting it or pushing it on you. Yeah. You say like, Hey, that's like, that's not me. I know it's not me. Like we can make different changes, but you know, they're just, there's just some guys you just don't vibe with. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, it's crazy, man. What yeah. impact that, 
that makes. Yeah. Know? And you know what? I, if, I, if I had spent more time and been more healthy in Chicago, I think, I think their pitching coach now, Tommy Hadovy, is a really smart guy. Really, and like we talked about earlier, somebody that really pairs well because his prior job to that was like doing all the scouting reports for the pitchers and really well-versed in the analytics and then really smart with the pitch design and the high-speed cameras and doing all that, but also a former player, you know, so somebody actually that um, I kind of played with a little bit. He was in, in camp with the Blue Jays towards the end of his career. And, um, but somebody that pairs that stuff really well and really like a young guy, like really like a new age pitching coach, like you would yeah. say, and somebody that I think yeah. has, has done a really good job with the guys that they've gotten over there and had to make a couple tweaks with, but then have shown a lot of success. Yeah. This year, 2020, obviously COVID, 60 games, no fans in the seats. Um, you, you obviously didn't pitch this year. Did you watch the playoffs at all? Yeah, I watched a lot of playoffs. I, yeah. didn't, watch, um, I, was, I didn't watch any regular season. I didn't watch like when it picked back up. I didn't pay attention at all. And, um, but when the playoffs started, that actually kind of coincided with getting when I started going back to the gym. Yeah. Um, like, like what we talked about earlier before I think we started, um, we, me and my family went to Park City and we, we spent the entire summer there. And I just really took a step back. My, once, once we got shut down in, in March and playing catch, I was still rehabbing from the surgery that I had in, in last September. So things just weren't really, and I had a, a slight calf tear during spring training that sidelined me. And a couple that, other was little from, things. that was just from running, right? That was just from running. Yeah. 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 So things just like were not lining up for me to be feeling my best yeah. and really not feeling positive about how things were going. Plus with the COVID scare, right? I'm diabetic. I don't know how yeah. that's going to affect right. me. Maybe I should just take a step back. And I told him like real early, like in April, like, Hey, this isn't working out for me. I can't see trainers. Yeah. I'm not getting worked on before yeah. I go out and play catch and after, and I'm not able to do what I need to do. I think it's just best that I, you know, right. take it off. And, and so for four months, I didn't do anything. It was awesome. Like, you know, well, hold on, played, you say played at being retired for a little while, like just hanging out with the family, yeah. bike rides and hikes and playing some golf. And, yeah. um, but I also think it was, it was really good for me to, after grinding rehab for, you know, the better part of two years to take a step away from it. And that was just, yeah. that, that wears on you so much when you're just rehab, rehab, and you don't have anything to show for it, man. Right. Plus two, and, and I honestly thought more guys would just say, oh, I'm opting out, I'm not comfortable with the COVID because all of a sudden this is, a lot of guys, this is their first time really they haven't, because they've gone, you know, whether it be college, playing college ball to minor league baseball to the big leagues, however long they've been in the big leagues, this is the first time they've had a summer where they're, like you said, hiking, bike riding. Yeah. I honestly thought a lot of them were just like, yeah, I'll just pack this up and wait for 21 because was that... And again, I, I'm not saying it's a as crazy. What a crazy year on all as, on all fronts, whether you're baseball or not. But was it kind of a blessing in disguise because it just kind of you, you get to decompress just a little bit, get away from the game, know that there is that reason why I can spend a full summer with my family right now. You got two young kids, a four and a one year old, mm -hmm. right? And and do those things, right? It, it must have been just again like. A de like a way to decompress right and and yeah yeah so what i was saying was it was for me i think it was it was definitely obviously the whole situation so for me it was a good thing to be able to step back and i wouldn't i wouldn't have done it if i was under contract and you know getting paid i wouldn't i wouldn't have done it i would have felt guilty stepping back and not doing anything yeah. while i was while i was taking a paycheck but i'm on a minor league deal yeah you know i i'm not getting a paycheck anyway. Yeah. So I might as well just step back, try and get healthy one decompress from baseball. I needed it. And when playoffs started, I just, we got back here to, to into uh, Scottsdale and something kind of clicked in me a little bit. And I, I started going back to the gym and that was getting really motivated to be honest. Like I felt yeah. really motivated once, once playoffs started, I'm like watching these guys play competitive baseball and I'm, I'm feeling like, you know, it's time to get back into it. Like I got, I've, I, I told people through the whole summer, like, yeah, I'm taking it off, but I got an eye on 2021. Like 
coming back. But now like the last month, like getting in the gym and actually starting to feel really good and strong again, like I feel like I'm going to have a good year next year, you know, if everything, you know, goes well health wise and, um, you know, getting really, really pumped up for it. That That's where I was going with that because, you know, here you are in a regular season, it's, you know, it, the 60 game season, whatever. Um, and then all of a sudden, and the playoffs, you can't really avoid, if you're in, if you're around baseball, you can't really avoid the playoffs. You'd have to watch yeah. it and watch three or four hours of it, but you will see it. And it does do something to you. Dude, I'm done playing now. Like, I know I'm not going to play. Like, my back would split in half. And plus, I don't throw I don't throw 100 like everyone else, like you and everyone else. But it's these things. I'm watching the playoffs like, man, like, it just gets you, like, yeah. it all of a sudden flicks you on. And I feel like that's what happens. So, so 21. So, there wasn't that point where you're dealing with this stuff early this year. COVID happens. Shut it down. I'm loving this time with my family. All of a sudden, my head starts to get away from what am I going to do after baseball? This might be it. Was there ever those thoughts where what? And because a lot of you guys, you know, struggle with the transition out of the game, like mm-hmm. I did too. I mean, I'm I'm lucky enough to be able to to have some things going on. But did, has there been those times? Not so much recently. You had some, you know, you, with the Dodgers and the Cubs. But you ever wondered, what am I going to do next after baseball? Uh, yeah, I think, I think earlier in, in the year, I was kind of resigned to like, hey, if it doesn't work out, you know, this will be it. Yeah. Like, I've, I've been rehabbing for, like I say, like two years. I haven't faced, I faced hitters live a couple times last summer, but yeah. just felt terrible. Yeah. afterwards you know this pre pre my pre my most recent surgery so hopefully you know that that takes care of everything but just feeling like you know I've, I've just been trying so hard for so long now with with nothing to show for it like maybe it's time so you know if I get in some games in spring training and still feel awful or if I you know I'm feeling decent and I go to AAA and then it's just not working out maybe I've lost it maybe it's just not coming back whatever then I would feel okay doing it but not get, I didn't get any games in spring training. I didn't, obviously the season didn't start and I didn't have any chance to, to play in any competitive games. So I, I, I kind of, I knew I was going to give it another chance once that happened. Like I just didn't want to go out kind of like without like giving it one more push, you know? Yeah. You, how hard is it to go? Let's say you have to go back to AAA. Like you're this far along in your career. I've done it. Really? established dude what's that <laughs> i did it i did it in 17 you know what yeah. i mean i took a minor league deal and and went to oklahoma city with the dodgers for for almost two months and and came back and you know restarted my career you know unfortunately cut cut off again with injuries but you know i've done it once and i i if i feel good and i feel like there's a future for it if i'm you know throwing the ball well and they're just like hey we just need to see the results for a little while like one we can't just like you know i i understand when it's like oh this guy's had so many injuries we can't trust him just to like go right out of the gates like we need we need you to we need to see it for a little while yeah i mean there's you got to consider that if especially if you're feeling good and you feel like you're gonna you're gonna be what you used to be and you feel like you're gonna be able to like help the team like you need to you know, give it a little bit of a chance. I got to ask you this too. Now you, you played with uh, Justin Turner, right? With the Dodgers. Yeah. So recently, obviously they win the world series. A lot of your friends are on that team. You know, him well, um, he runs on the field with no mask. He's just been tested positive. Talk us through what, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? If you're in his shoes, what are you doing in that situation? I'm not going back out on the field because, yeah. well, one, I'm not a rule breaker. Like, I'm just like, not like if somebody <laughs> says like, these are the rules, like yeah. I'm not just like charging, like breaking through it. Like I'm doing what I want, you know? Yeah. But also like, I can't, I like, I don't feel like, I don't know. I can't, I can't step in his shoes and, and it's tough, man. That's gotta be like the hardest decision ever. And like, you just got pulled out of, I know world series clinching game, like two innings prior to that. And all your boys are out there. You don't even get to run on the field and dog pile. You're just cooped up in this room isolated. And they're telling you like, you can't go out there. Like, I don't know. Maybe I would have gone out. I don't know. Like, you know, you're, especially if other people are like, yeah, screw them, you know, come on, like, let's do it. Come on out here for a picture. Like you're part of this team. And you just feel like, man, this is like, 
the peak of my career, right. I don't want to miss out on it. Yeah, it, it, and I was talking, I had Chris Martin on with the Braves, um, who just, you know, basically gave up the home run to Corey Seager when, when the Dodgers won to go to the World Series. Mm-hmm. I asked him the same question, but, you know, I never, I never played in the playoffs. You have, right? So you know what it's like. I know 2020 was different. Obviously, it's got to be a different feeling, right? Playing yeah, for sure. Playing in 2020. I mean, because, you know, when, when you were doing it, place is packed. Everyone's on their feet. It's, it's yeah. just a hardcore, you know, like heightened senses. And again, I'm not taking, I'm 2020, I'm not taking anything away from, but it's got to be completely different. But Yeah, but you've, you've probably won high school championships or summer league championships. You know what I mean? And it's almost the same feeling, right? Because it's right. your team yeah. and you've won the championship. I won the Cape Cod championship. And it's like, you don't care how many people are in the stands. You care about your yeah. teammates on the field Absolutely. and you guys just won the championship yeah. and there might be, you know, it's like aunts, uncles out there for your summer league. And even if you're just winning some weekend tournament, like yeah. you still feel like you're on top oh, of the yeah. world and you just won the world series. You know I mean? Everybody dogpiling on top yeah. of each other and, and, you know, doing the whole thing. So we, uh, I mean, yeah, the, the, the closest I got to that was the Olympics in 2004. We beat Japan, won nothing, but we just snuck in a win and, and all of a sudden we're guaranteed a medal. I just went ballistic. Yeah. The whole yeah. place was, was packed full of Japanese fans, not one Australian. Oh, no, I'm, I'm taking that back. I mean, there was probably a big uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. watching because they got free tickets. No, but the, just back to, to, to that, I, it's, first of all, it's really hard to make to the major leagues. Number two, to play in the playoffs. Mike Sweeney, I played with him. Dude, 15 years mm-hmm. in the big leagues, five-time All-Star. Finally got a chance to play with the Phillies because it was kind of like, a, hey, let's trade you over so you can play in the playoffs. Felix has never played in the playoffs. So yeah. if you're Justin Turner, he may never win another World Series again. I mean, hopefully he does. Who knows? Um, yeah, the Dodgers are really good. I get that. But I've, I mean, I'm, gonna be, I'm not going to lie, man. He copped it for running on the field. And I'm not a rule breaker either. I'm like you, dude. I mean, we played together. And you and I were yeah. just kind of standing at the back. I'm not a big rule breaker or, you know, right. getting crazy. But I don't know if I'd be able to help myself. I'm like, screw this. I'll deal with the, the yeah. repercussions in a week. I'm running out here. Sorry, guys. I got COVID or whatever. But boom. I just, I couldn't imagine, dude. Like, it would be the coolest thing. I mean, even when you watch some like Clayton Kershaw, that just the weight off his shoulders when they want, like they show those, those images. I just, it's, you know, I just, I get it. People are on social media and they want to rip him, but put yourself in his shoes and good luck. Not running on that yeah. field, man. You know, but, um, so you're, so right now you're in Scottsdale and you, you mentioned you're going to move back to Washington. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. We got a place up there. My wife's from, uh, from just south of Renton, Maple Valley. So yeah. that's something we've had our eye on, on for a while. We got a piece of property up there and hope, hoping to build in the next, in the next year. Is that to get, you got two kids. Is it to get closer to her family? Is it a family thing or is Yeah, that- yeah, yeah. A lot of that. And um, I don't want to spend summers in Phoenix. Because <laughs> <laughs> I did last year rehabbing the whole, the whole time. And man, a hundred and, 115 120 for yeah. four months straight is tough yeah. that last yeah, summer i don't, I don't love it az was brutal right this last summer this summer was yeah yeah i mean they, they were setting records for you know the hottest i think the hottest week on record they ever had and it's it's no joke you can't i mean with kids man like last summer my kid wants to go out and ride his bike and it's like all right buddy we can go outside for like 10 minutes yeah you know what yeah. i mean yeah. you gotta gotta cover you in sunscreen and you can be out here riding your bike for 10 minutes, but then you look like you're going to pass out and we got to go in the pool for a second. And then, you know, you got to go in and and rest for a little while. It's just like, it's like, it's like being in in the winter in like, I I don't know, Montana or something, you know, Chicago winter where it's, you know, zero degrees, but. Well, you do realize, yeah, I, you know, I bought a house here in 2008 and you know, I'm like, oh, Seattle is beautiful. I'd never, I'd never been close to spending a winter here. Never. Not <laughs> right. And then recently I'm like, oh, let's move back up here. We're living in LA and we want to you know, move back up here and, and uh, you know, for work and, and everything else away from family, which was tough, but we're up here to my first winter. I'm not going to, I'm not lying. And I know if anyone's listening, I'm not trying to offend you or anything like that. <laughs> my goodness, dude. Just the, I'm just giving you a heads up, dude. The darkness, yeah. like welcome back. But the, the, I grew up on the beach. Mate, so the 
you get to 5 p.m. and it's pitch black outside in the dead of winter. I'm like, wow. yeah, well, we, we go up, we got a play, we got a condo up there. So we go up every, uh, gotcha. every Christmas for like a couple of weeks. So I've definitely experienced that. I don't, I don't love it, but yeah. you know what? At least you can go outside for, yeah. for the time when the sun's up and the, the, the really short days don't last, don't last too long here. It's like, you know, it's still, it, we just had a couple of days of, in the seventies, but it's going back up to 95, like in right. two days. It, I mean, it's almost November. Well, I was just down there last week. I'm like, Oh, I need to move here, man. Yeah. Last week was all right. It was, you know, high eighties, low nineties. So that feels pretty good compared yeah. to 120. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I haven't been there in the middle of summer for a, a long time. So I, I hear you, but uh, man, I'll let you go. I've kept you too long, Brian. This has been fun, man, to, to catch up. It's been a while since we've had a good, good yeah. Right, so I, I really appreciate that. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, of course, man. It was awesome. Hey, guys. Hope you enjoyed that episode of The Top Step. Brandon Morris, so good to catch up with one of my old buddies. And uh, he said he's moving back to Seattle, so I'm going to have to hit him up and go hang out at his mansion. <laughs> but anyway, good times hanging out with him. Next week, we have another very big-time guest. You're going to love it. So make sure you go click subscribe. The best way to do it, go to www.thetopstep.com and go check it out check it out old episode season one we've got some good ones uh, but I will be back next week and hope you can join us right here on the top step killing them killing them killing them killing them killing them killing them